0: Hey, you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. Pierce. Very easy. Tatum drives down and throws it down! This is my em- answer, that's the thing the... young you kidding me? What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? And welcome to episode 117, episode 117 of the Banner Banter Podcast. I am your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How's everyone doing? You can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. And as you know, I'm part of the Big Night Media team and there is a lot going on. We got new podcasts like Let's Be Clear with Kayla, Boston Uncommon with Joe Maz. We also have the Marky P. Show, Burn Toast, Eat the Damn Cake, Those Girls You Know, Let's Get Rich Podcast, Drinks After Work. And then we also have Big Night Breaks. So there's just a lot going on. And Big Night Media is sponsored by Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com go get yourself a lawnmower 3.0, especially if you're a guy. You can trim that lower region. You can be safe. You're not going to get any nicks. You're not going to cut up your balls in any way, shape, or form. And when you go there, use the discount code, find your balls for 20% off and you get free shipping too. So find your balls, 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. This is going to be one of the weirdest banner banter podcast episodes we have done in a really long time. I am currently in Las Vegas. I've been in las vegas for the last three or four days for my buddy carl's bachelor party great time congratulations to carl and amanda and it is um a little bit weird because i'm staying an extra day which i was not planning on doing and i do not have all the proper podcast materials that i need to survive for example the microphone i am using right now doesn't connect to my headphones and i like to hear myself talk in my ears when i'm recording and i can't do that but the reason why I brought one of my other microphones was because we have a very special guest today, Jared Weiss from The Athletic, one of the best Boston's, Boston Celtics sports reporters out there. He used to write for USA Today, used to write for Celtics blog, and he does some great stuff for the Celtics. He'll be joining in a little bit. We talk about Brad Stevens, the trade deadline, Jason, Jalen, you name it, we talk about it. It was really cool. I'm really glad that he came on. And... uh yeah, that's that. So let's get into it. This is going to be a wild show. I'm telling you that right now, but hopefully this all works out, and I appreciate each and every single one of you listening, and don't forget to go to bignightshop.com, click Big Night Media, then click Banner Banter, and go get some Banner Banter podcast merchandise as well. So Celtics are currently 21-21 and 21 on the season. They just beat the Orlando Magic, but earlier in the week, they lost three games in a row to the Utah Jazz the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the Sacramento Kings. I believe right, in this will make them sixth overall in the standings, and it was just really a frustrating week. You know, the, the Jazz game was tough to watch because they definitely hung around with Utah Jazz for a little bit, but they just can't finish games anymore. They can't. They were up a few points after the third quarter and allowed 40 points in the fourth quarter. The, it's just completely unacceptable to the Celtics are like the best three, you know 3 quarter team in the NBA like if it was hockey and it was just 3 quarters or 3 periods whatever the hell you want to call them the Celtics would be like really really good but the worst part about all that is the Celtics only took 4 free throws which ties a franchise record for the least amount of free throws taken in a game and they only made 3 of them they didn't even make all 4 of them and if i wasn't in a really nice hotel room I would probably freak out a little bit more about it, but I don't know who's next door. I don't know who's listening. I don't know what's going on, but I will say this. Fiji water is overrated. It really is. It's way too expensive and overrated, but either way. <clears throat> the. The Jazz game was a game that I really wanted them to win. They definitely showed some flashes when they played well, but it just shows that they are not there yet. They are not a championship-contending team as of right now. Will Danny Ainge make trades? Who knows. What type of trades will be made? Who knows. And we'll talk about that with Jared Weiss in a little bit. I I could really dive deep into the Jazz game, but it it was just classic Celtics. Play well, survive, fight, and then just give up. And maybe giving up's is a, a strong word, but not playing the full 48 minutes of basketball game, which everyone has complained about all year. Uh, then, so you think after dropping 40 points, you just lost to a really good, or after allowing the other team to drop 40 points on you, second end of a back-to-back, you're going to Cleveland, they're not that good. So maybe if you just show a little bit of energy, it wouldn't be that bad, but that wasn't the case at all. They dropped 18 points in the first quarter. Not the best way to start out on the road on the second night of a back-to-back against a really bad team and give them confidence and the Cavaliers shot the ball very well and you thought that was going to die down and it didn't in any way shape or form I mean at one point in this game the bench was shooting 47 percent the Boston Celtics bench was shooting 47 percent and the starters are shooting 29 percent that sucks Like, the starters eventually came to life in the second quarter, but it was just too little too late. And, you know, I get that Kemba wasn't playing and that Shemi Ojale has to start over him. And, you know, I mean, Time Lord and Grant Williams had more rebounds between the two of them combined than the entire Celtics starting lineup. That just, to me, shows no effort, no care. They just didn't want to be there. And when they're in a tough playoff race right now that they are because I mean but well, going into Sunday's game against the Magic the Boston Celtics were the eighth seed and I think they were only like a game and a half maybe two games up on the Pacers who de- have definitely been in a funk but they also beat the Miami Heat today and that's a very good team as we all know the Miami Heat's playing very very well and you also have the Atlanta Hawks they've won eight in a row so it- it's pretty crazy to think about <clears throat> and the the thing that sucks is just like they had 12 12- 12 turnovers in the first half 12 what are we doing? Sorry for the pause there. Like, you know, I hear people like walking down the hallway. I'm in, I'm at MGM. I'm in one of the biggest hotels in the world. And I feel like I'm surrounded all over the place by people. This is uh like I said, this is going to be weird. Um, but just to be that careless in such a, I don't want to say it's an important game, but I feel like every single game from this point out is going to be very, very important. The Celtics this upcoming week have to go at least 2-2 two and two or 3-1 and one at the very least before their seven-game homestand where they welcome back fans. Because one week from today, if you are listening on March 22nd, when I do release this on Monday, one week until I am back at TD Guard in Section 315. And we're going to get wild. I'll tell you that right now. People are going to hear me. I've been holding my voice. I know that I talk a lot on this podcast, but if you have not been to a Boston Celtics game with me, I'll let you know right now. Even when there's 18,000 people in there, people will hear me. So I can't even imagine only 2,800. But again, the Celtics did get to the line a little bit more. I think they went to the line like 19 times against the Cavs, but they only went 11 of 19. So it's just like, you can't even make your free throws when you go. So at that point, like, what's the point, but they lost by seven points. So if you, if you can literally Hit a majority of those free throw. It's a much closer game. Maybe the Cavs freak out a little bit because they're filled with a bunch of young players. And you know, JB uh, uh, staff is a good coach, but who knows how he would have adjusted the game if it was closer. So, just a disappointing loss in that aspect. That's for sure. And then you have the Sacramento Kings game at home. They're on a four. They're on like a six-game West Coast road trip. This was the fourth one of that road trip, and they were playing the next night against the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers. And I'll be honest, I was you know, in Las Vegas and saw some of the games and it looks like I didn't miss much because Jalen and Jason only combined for 34 points. I mean, I, from what I saw, Peyton Pritchard couldn't get a shot going, but thankful for the Time Lord who played well in Cleveland and played well in the Sacramento Kings game. And obviously with all the hot and heavy rumors that the Boston Celtics have going on right now about Harris and Barnes, well, it was nice to see Harris and Barnes be able to have a good game at TD Garden. So I can't give you a full breakdown of that game because I didn't watch a majority of it because i was out in las vegas for a bachelor party having a great time watching the ncaa tournament and that's that uh and then the magic game we'll talk about the magic game real quick before we uh bring in jared weiss from the athletic uh the magic game they came out flat but they showed energy in the second quarter and they allowed less than 20 points and you're like oh my god if they show some energy and they move the ball around this team can be really real. Well. but i loved how they came out in that second half with Kemble walker scoring seven straight points Daniel Tice hit a three. They went on like a 10-0 run, and I think at one point between the halfway through the second quarter to the start of the third quarter, you're, you know, a few minutes into the third quarter, it was a 29-6 to run, and the number one thing was ball movement. What have I been saying all year on this podcast? Brad Stevens wants the Celtics to move the basketball, and when they do, they are a very good team. So good that they are now 13-2 when they have 25 assists or more in a game. And they had, I think, 26 or 27 against the Magic, so more than 25. So 13-2 and now when they move the ball. And I know a lot of people don't like Brad Stevens' offensive sets, and I get that. You know, some of them aren't ideal, but he always preaches moving the ball. And what do you know? They move the ball. Sure, Jalen Brown hit 10 three-pointers, which is absolutely insane. I'm very happy for him. Clearly, his three-point shooting has improved. Hopefully, that can continue tonight against the Memphis Grizzlies. But at the end of the day, when the Celtics move the ball and their starters can hit their shots— They're a good team, but when they are stagnant and selfish, they're not a great team in any way, shape, or form, and Jalen, I mean, uh, Kemba did get hurt. It looked like at the start of the fourth quarter, he went back to the bench, came back into the game. I mean, obviously, with the Celtics going up 20, heading into the fourth quarter, and then you see all these, like, thank God Evan Fournier missed two three-pointers, when the Magic cut down the lead to, I think it was nine, they, you know, because Classic Celtics up 20, you know, I think they were up 18 to start the fourth, maybe 20. And the next thing you know, it's a nine or 10 point game. And it's just like, I, I, I don't get it. They love just taking their foot off the gas. It's maybe they care about the environment. I don't know, but it's, it's just absolutely ridiculous. But either way, they looked really well when they care, and they look really well, or really well, really good when they move the ball so if they care and move the ball this team can compete It's just why can't it happen every single night? Who knows? So now let's bring in our very special guest, Jared Weiss. Him and I go back and forth. We talk about some hip-hop. We talk about the Celtics, and I think you'll really enjoy it. So here's Jared Weiss and I chit-chatting about the Boston Celtics while I was in Las Vegas. All right, everyone, it is time to bring in my very special guest this week. His name is Jared Weiss. He has written for Celtics Blog. He has written for USA Today, and now he writes for The Athletic. Make sure you go out and get your subscription right now to The Athletic. You can read all the great stuff Jared puts out, Jay King, John Holland and a shams and a whole bunch of other people but uh Jared thanks for joining us. How you doing, man? I like the in with Celtics blog.
1: I haven't heard that in a long time.
0: <laughs> so how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm not as good as you apparently, but well um, yeah, yeah. It, it it could be worse, I guess. Um so before we before we start talking about the Celtics and stuff cuz there's obviously a lot to talk about. Um I noticed your Twitter Twitter avatar is MF Doom. I was an MF Doom fan. It sucked that we lost him uh, late last year. Um, Are there any other hip hop artists that you're listening to right now? Like I'm listening to Freddie Gibbs, big crit and I'm looking for like a new artist that I can really uh, enjoy. Is there anything that you're like listening to right now that you're enjoying? I mean, if you love Freddie Gibbs, I guess the new Benny the butcher album would probably be a pretty good place to
1: start. Yeah. I love that album. That was very good.
0: And I think he just came out with something else too. Didn't he?
1: Yeah. He just came out with, uh, uh, God damn, was it like when Tony met Frank or something like that? yeah yes. Yeah, a classic Griselda thing of some sort of historical
0: mobster reference, basically. But it's really <laughs> good so far. I like it. All right, cool. Good to know. I'll, I'll, I'll check that out on my flight back. Um, so, obviously, a very concerning week for the Celtics. And I'm even more concerned of the fact that, like, since Marcus has come back, I feel like when Marcus was hurt and the team wasn't doing that great, everyone was like, Marcus is going to make this huge difference. But the team's one in four since he's come back. Like, are you concerned? Like, are you even more concerned than you were maybe previously? Um, Can you get more concerned
1: than a hundred percent concerns? Um, I guess 105% Bo- concerns Boston fans. I feel like, yes, you could probably get like 200% sure. concerned, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's the kind of effort. Boston sports fans put it right. A hundred percent, 110% effort into thinking their team is a, uh, a total firestorm. But so yes. they, um, you know the first few games when after he came back, they looked good against those two really good teams against Utah and Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking after that, yeah, it looks like uh, Marcus has actually improved things for the most part, and they're uh, they're they're turning things around. And these these last couple of losses have just been like really weak, just yeah. like really, just a team is just completely discombobulated. And I, I think I think that they're just right now. They're looking at the deadline and thinking we're gonna have a big shakeup and they're just not really trying as much as they should. Um, it's 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 been it's been pathetic. Like, come on, like it, we all know this. They yeah. all know this. It's a, it's embarrassing to lose what, four games that are, I guess they had the, they had a win in the middle there, but it's like to keep losing all these games to teams that are below you in the standings, and there's not even that many teams below them in the standings <laughs> at this point. I mean, it's it's really <laughs> embarrassing for you.
0: Yeah, no, it's crazy. Because I was even I was looking at the week ahead with like the Jazz and the Cavs and the Kings and the Magic game and even the Grizzlies uh, tomorrow. Um, And I was just like, all right, if they lose to the Jazz, that's fine. But then they can go win four games in a row, have some confidence, go play two games against the Bucs. And I do you think the players know that a shakeup is coming? So maybe that's why they're not giving effort? Or are they not really showing that effort because they're trying to force the team to make a change?
1: It's a good question. I mean, th- nobody knows that a shakeup is coming. They, yeah. they know that the Celtics are very active, obviously, but mm-hmm. they, we don't, it, it, lately the, um, uh, the GM Danny Ainge has been kind of trying to set the table for the idea that they don't end up making a move here and that they end up waiting until the offseason to make a substantial move, which would mean that clearly that would mean they're completely punting on this season if they do that. And so I, I think that these players, maybe, yeah, maybe they are in a way, they're kind of trying to force a move. And if you're, at least if you're Jalen and Jason or Kemba, you don't need to really worry about whether that means you are going to get traded. You know, Marcus is the one that's tradable out of all those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess maybe Marcus would be the one person concerned. Then I, obviously everybody else in the roster is completely expendable at this point as well.
0: Yeah. So speaking about the trade deadline and stuff, I I know on The Athletic, uh, UJ King, John Hollinger did a cool little, uh, you know back and forth article uh, about the trade deadline who like does anyone outside of the celtics like any of the guys on the bench that you know <laughs> for, for valuable pieces like do they look at jeff teague and go yeah that could work like i could oh, see God, a tristan no. Th- yeah i could see like a tristan thompson maybe or maybe you know aaron neesmith because hey if he's not going to play for you guys maybe he can play for us but like is there anyone that is attractive for the celtics to trade
1: so it's funny that that's really worth a read because Hollinger is, is a lot more of a hardliner on yeah. his analysis of prospects. And he, he like really subscribes to the used car theory, uh, I guess the new car theory of once you drive it off the a draft pick off the lot, it starts losing value immediately. And it's really hard to turn that around back into positive value. Mm-hmm. And so Peyton Pritchard who's had a really good rookie season is probably the only one that has like pretty clear positive value at this point. And then Rob Williams, it was interesting. He mentioned that story that, you know, as great as Rob Williams has been so far, there's a lot of, there was a lot of uh, concerning Intel on him coming into the draft. Most of which we already know and have already kind of seen play out. He's pretty much grown through. So, you know, whenever, whenever John says stuff like that, it's, you know, it's like, I always read stuff and I'm like, is, is John is John missing something here or does John know something that we don't know? Yeah. And nine, nine times out of 10, it's going to be John knows something that we don't know because he's so plugged into the league and he was literally running a, a front office for, for a while. So yeah. he's like, he knows, he really knows what he's talking about when it comes to really getting uh, gauging market value. He's very, very good at that. And so he's very low on the asset value of pretty much everything that the Celtics have. And, there were a few that I disagree with him a little bit on. I think that Rob Williams now has uh, pretty good value, yeah, but absolutely. like good, good, not good enough to like make him the centerpiece. Like not, he's not like Al Jefferson in 2007 <laughs> when they traded him for crazy. Yeah. He, yeah. He's more like Gerald green at that point where like <laughs> Gerald green was looked at as like this guy, like, Oh, maybe Gerald is going to turn into a good rotation player. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. We still need to find out. Um, and so I think that's kind of where he is at this point. He's like the second piece in a trade for a good player, not yeah. the first piece. The
0: Celtics don't have that first piece. No, they don't. And that's what's really concerning. But do you, do you think that maybe Danny is looking not, I'm trying to say this the right way, but maybe, after next season, because, you know, Tice's contract is, uh, is up then if Thompson doesn't get moved. He's gone. It's going to be a contract year from Marcus this upcoming season. They're probably going to be in the luxury tax again and be a repeater. Cause I think it's what three out of four seasons you get charged. Yeah. For being a luxury tax. So do you think they're even looking into the future more than what we think we are versus maybe next week to see how this yeah. all plays out? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a huge part of how everything has gone down. That was Mm -hmm. a big part of why
1: they went with the TPE instead of Miles Turner and probably Aaron Holiday and Doug McDermott. Like, that's there's there's a reason why they're kind of cheaping out. And the funny thing is, coming into last season, the team saw this as a two-year buildup to what should have been this season as their major contending season yep. and then Kemba got hurt Gordon Hayward left and suddenly this year looks like even more of a transition year than last year which of course, of course turned out last year was their contending year I mean they almost made the finals last year yeah uh you know if they if if they didn't let go of the rope like twice in that series and if bam out of bio didn't pull off one of the great blocks of the decade they would have probably would have won that series it was that close yeah. so you know, so so this is the the way that they have mapped this out every year for the past like four years. has Gone pretty much the opposite every single year of what they expected, whether they That's thought true. it was going to be a building year or thought it was going to be a content year. So I think this year they were like, let's align ourselves financially to make this a building year. See how it goes at first, and then figure out when's the optimal time to strike and make a big acquisition that will really set us up so that next season and next in the, basically the rest of the Jays' contract extension will position us to be serious contenders. And so I just think that's kind of the central thesis of how they're operating because they're, they know that Tice is going to cost probably $15 million or so next, yeah. uh, this upcoming off season. They're probably not going to pay that. Mm-hmm. So they're, they have to develop Rob Williams so that he can make them feel good about walking away from Daniel Tice. Um, and, and, you know, and so I, I think that that's there. And then the Marcus Smart is in a uh, situation is another tricky one because they're stuck with Kemba Walker's contracts for better or for worse. And Smart is going to be worth 25 million probably. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that's probably around where he's worth. And I don't think they're going to, it's it's a huge question mark whether they're gonna be paying essentially four max salaries on top of whatever other guy they get with the TPE, plus Rob Williams entering restricted free agency next season as well, or the season after that. So they're in a they're in a major a major payroll pinch here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I do you think if Martin if the market isn't there, because I know a lot of people say like Marcus smart has no value around the league, which I think is a load of crap, but that's not true. Yeah, no, I I don't know why I listen to sports radio sometimes, but when you hear stuff like that, you're like, that's a little ridiculous. But do you think Marcus would take a little bit of a hometown hometown discount? Or do you think he'd want that? Hey, my big payday, I'm going to go out and compete somewhere else. (sighs) Um, You know, I, I could see him taking a small discount, he oh, yeah. Election. No, I'm not saying he's going to take like a $10 million discount, but if it was like 25 versus 20, do you think he would stick around for that? If maybe down the road they can give him more money? I would expect that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I, well, OK, so
1: no, tw- so 20, 25 versus 20 a year. No, because that's that's a 20 that's 20 million dollars over a four year deal. Yeah, uh, I could see him taking a million or two. Uh Uh, as a hometown discount that I could see hometown discounts are nearly as big as people think they are. They're, they're, they're relatively small. Um, (laughs) You know, we're talking about a million to a million and a half a year, basically. So I think he would do that, but you have to remember he's getting, he's been getting underpaid on his new deal or his current deal. So Mm -hmm. I I think he's looking at this as I have a chance to take a big leap here. And I think the, I think the market will be there for him. It, it, It obviously it always depends on, how like how many big free agents end up staying where they are and then you know then you know obviously if like bradley beal doesn't move if the lakers and the clippers guys stay in place that makes smart one of the big fish on the market if they mm-hmm. if those teams
0: if all those big stars move obviously that that changes
1: things significantly
0: yeah, absolutely. I just miss the days of, like, loving Jay Crowder's contract at $8 million and Avery Bradley at $9 million. But now we're talking Marcus Smart at 20 It's uh, It's crazy to think about. Um,
1: well, they, they got Daniel Tice at 5 Yeah. That's, oh, you know, yeah, that's they, true, they too. Keep,
0: yeah. They <laughs> keep holding us off over and over again. Give them credit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, just a couple more questions before I let you go. Um, Jalen and Jason, they've obviously, you know, have, they're all-stars. They're great we all love them. We want them here forever. Are you worried about their leadership? Like I understand that they're like still young and still need to learn in that role, but do you think maybe a bigger step from both of them should have been taken already or hopefully will happen before the end of the season? Um, I, I don't know if that's going to happen and. Okay, good. Cause I'm glad I, you said that. Cause that's where I'm concerned because like, yeah. like Jalen is vocal and I just feel like Jason is just so one level. And yeah that scares the I, I think, crap out of me. <laughs> I,
1: I, I think that I, I don't think that Jason maybe Jalen a little bit more but basically both of them I don't think that they're right now equipped to to be le- offensive leaders at the very least. They, yep. they they are not I don't think that they're reading the game in a way that allows them to communicate and execute adjustments to the game plan and to be playmakers in a way, that can really break down a defense and yeah. they're uh, and, and the team is suffering because of that. And I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a, a major concern long-term because Jason's in his fourth year and Jalen's in his fifth year and it's, er- it's early for that. Stuff. Yeah. Um. But at the same time, it is, it, it it's, you know, it's very clear that these guys are scorers that are trying to learn how to be playmakers. They're not natural playmakers that are, that are, you know, integrating their uh, higher end scoring capability into their playmaking, which Mm -hmm. is how some of the real great players end up doing it. And I think that once they get to their prime, they're going to be, they're going to be two of the absolute best players in the NBA. And I'm not really concerned about them getting there. I'm more concerned about just like, can the team give them a team that can actually get them over the top once those guys get there. But obviously, yeah, it's frustrating that it's not happening right now, especially because Kemba is one of those guys. It's very clear that Kemba is able to read a defense and read a game plan and make adjustments and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's just right now not shooting well enough that it's not effective enough.
0: Yeah, that's that's the crazy thing because I feel like this whole entire season, like everyone's to blame. And whether it's Kemba shooting, Jalen and Jason, you know, maybe it's tough because i would be really interested to see if they had more guys that they could trust off the bench how how much more improvement we'd see from jalen and jason on their playmaking because i'm sure they see jeff teague in the corner and they're just like you know what i'm gonna take a force jumper here i'd rather do that than you know make the extra oh, pass it, oh that definitely happens y- yeah and and i i would just be really interested if they do make a move and it does improve the team how their playmaking will go moving forward well, you know, a, a big thing is a lot of these top teams, they
1: have another guard that comes off the bench that can run the offense for them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what it's part of why Marcus Smart as a six man is very effective because yeah. he can fulfill that role a lot. But he's also not a good enough shot maker that he can really be lethal in the way that, like, Jordan Clarkson. Can yeah. be for Utah, for instance, and you know there's so many other examples. Yeah, or even, even with e- Philly, e- even, even though Marcus thinks
0: that he's one of those good
1: shooters. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole rabbit hole that we could get down another time. But you know, even Philadelphia has Shake Milton providing yeah. some balance with the second unit when he's with the second unit. That just like he's just such a capable shot maker and a, and a decent enough playmaker that he can be he can really affect. The uh you know the game and the Celtics just don't really have that. You know, Peyton Pritchard's been doing it a little bit, but Pritchard is really more of a complimentary guy that doesn't want to be on the ball yeah. uh, to be effective. And so yeah, so they just they really badly need that kind of player.
0: Absolutely. All right, last question. Since I am in Las Vegas, if you were with me and we had to place a bet on if Brad Stevens will be at training camp this upcoming September, how would you bet? Uh that's a great question. I Because, you know, the Indiana I, I, rumors, they happen every year, but obviously there are people with blue check marks now talking about it, which hasn't really been a thing before. I'm a Brad Stevens guy. I know he hasn't had the best season, but, like, I think it's more of a team thing, like how the team's structured versus a Brad thing overall, like if I had to pick or choose. Um, But I'm nervous that, like, they're going to start all over, and then this new coach is only going to get a three- or four-year window, a.k.a. during the J contracts, and then – we could be seeing a major rebuild if they don't succeed, and one of either Jason or Jalen leave. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the the real hard thing is that. So, th- there's definitely a lot of
1: consternation around Brad, and there, there's only so much I could talk about at this point. That's that I've really substantiated. I've got actually got more coming on the athletic later this week on this, I believe. But Great. so he. Um, I mean, Brad Stevens is one of the best coaches out there. Period. That's that is definitely true. No matter what people want to be, you know, criticize about, it's it's absolutely one hundred percent true. But he's having trouble (laughs) with this team, and this has been happening. That you know, last year there were concerns, and they ended up going pretty much as far as they could have gone, considering the circumstances, considering. Considering that, like, th- they were riding two guys that were just completely over and over their heads, and they still almost worked. It, it still almost worked, mm-hmm. e- even with them getting injured and, you know, against teams that the reason why they were getting so far is because they weren't injured. So that, that was a pretty incredible coaching accomplishment last year. But ever since Al Horford left, ever since the Kyrie stuff happens, um, there's just been this. There, there's been there's been a lack of control and a lack of stability yep. it's, it's very apparent and it's possible that they may realize that they need to make a change now the problem with that is that the reason why i wouldn't i would not bet on it is because one he just signed a huge extension yeah. he's very early in that extension i believe he has four years remaining after this season on it he's getting paid. I think he's one of the highest paid players and coaches in the NBA. So it's just like financially just like doesn't seem feasible to fire him this early. And then like who on earth are they going to hire that would have success in this situation?
0: You see so many things on Twitter and it's just like, like, you know, you see Sam Cassell. A lot of people think that like Jalen and Jason need like a player, a former player to be their coach. And, you know, I get that. Maybe throw some fire in him, but like, isn't that why they brought Evan Turner back? You know, like, why, 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 like, why? Like people say that shit, but like, why, I, if, I, what, what
1: possibly could substantiate it? No, I mean, exactly. I, like, I, like Jalen and Jason, they don't, they don't not listen to Brad. They're just having trouble meshing their games with the talent. Exactly. And exactly,
0: the team is yeah,
1: like, that's, that's completely crap. You know, if they're going to hire someone, it's to hire someone who's had serious playoff success. Yeah, that like it's, 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 you make that change to, to do what Philadelphia did, which is to go from Brett Brown, who is a comparable coach to Brad Stevens, and to go to a Doc Rivers type. Yeah. So that's, that's what you do. But frankly, you know, as, as, as great, you know, Doc maybe deserves coach of the year, honestly. Mm-hmm. But I think it might be more that Dale Moore deserves executive of the year because he completely retooled that roster to put complimentary pieces around Simmons and Embiid. And that timed up perfectly with Embiid really finally hitting his peak. And now they're great. And so Doc certainly deserves some credit, but I don't think it's like that team just got like a new coach with championship experience and all of a sudden they're killing it. I think it was just like the timing worked out perfectly. And I, you know, it's like, I don't think replacing Brad with another coach is going to really change things more than whatever the front office can pull off. And just the the good timing of the guys having another year of development is going
0: to help the team with. Exactly, because like Nate McMillan, since he took over, the Hawks are what like seven and zero or eight and zero. So does that mean like Nate McMillan is well, a good coach Lee, all of a sudden? So
1: that's that's different. Oh. Well, that's yeah. That that's because everyone there hated Lloyd Pierce. They just desperately wanted him gone. So Uh-oh. yeah, well, that, but it's, it's just, that's not how it is. You know, there there are some people that are frustrated with Brad and the team, but like nobody's like I hate Brad. I want him gone. It's yeah, more I like that. I want this to be a better situation
0: for me. That's fair. That's fair. All right, Jared. Well, I really appreciate you jumping on the Banner Branch podcast today. Uh, It was great talking to you. You guys can find Jared on Twitter at Jared Weiss MBA. I believe that's your Twitter handle, right? Yeah, that's it. All right, cool. And you guys go get a subscription to The Athletic. Check him out. He does a lot of great stuff and he posts a lot and it's all great stuff. So check that out. But uh, Jared, thanks again. Stay safe. Thanks man. You too. Okay. That was my conversation with Jared Rice. I really appreciate Jared Weiss hopping on. I thought he was great brought up some great points. I um, looks like I'm going to be listening to the new Benny the Butcher hip-hop album on The Way Home. That's going to be great. Looking forward to that. But yeah, overall, just a really cool conversation with Jared and I really appreciate him coming on and go sign up and get your subscription at The Athletic. I promise you you'll love it. So, at like I said, I'm doing this in Las Vegas and I'm doing it live and this I'm recording this right after the Magic game that I just watched and Uh, Gary Washburn just tweeted out that Marcus Smart said the team met after the loss to the Kings to discuss whatever it takes to make the best of the season. So that's very interesting that they had a little bit of a team meeting. There was a little bit of concern about why Brad Stevens took so long to do his uh, post-game press conference, a lot of people thought, you know, he might be leaving for the Indiana job and and all that stuff, and I talked about that with Jared, but very, very interesting stuff that uh, Gary Washburn just tweeting that out, and I'm sure there's some more quotes that I could look at kind of as I'm talking, but the Celtics do have four games this week, and two of them are going to be brutal. Uh, Two of them are against the Milwaukee Bucks, Uh, not probably the best way to, you know, try to get back in the winning column, but, you know, hey, here we are uh so here are the games that they have this week tonight they will be in memphis at 9 p.m the second night of a back-to-back so that means no kemba and then they go to milwaukee for two games to play at the bradley center on wednesday night at 7 30 that will be on espn and then friday night at 7 30 and that will also be on espn then no kemba again on saturday because they're going to be in oklahoma city playing the thunder so going into sunday's game grizzlies are 19 and 20 and they are only 8 and 12 at home so they're not even a very good home team so why why don't you go there set the tone early keep that same energy from the the magic game and whatever happened in that team meeting after the after the king's loss whatever the case may be but have Marcus Smart control John Moran. We really need to see defensive energy Marcus Smart. I thought Marcus Smart had a great game today against the Magic. He passed the ball more than he shot the ball and that's how the Celtics are good. If he can be the fourth scoring option or sometimes even the fifth if Daniel Tice is playing well that is a good thing for the Boston Celtics. So uh, it will be very interesting to see how Tice and the Time Lord control Valanchunas because he can rebound the ball. He's a classic guy that can you know definitely get 18 and 18 or you know 20 20 and 15 a night 20 points 15 rebound whatever the case may be but it will be interesting to see how Time Lord and uh, Daniel Tice handle that I thought Daniel Tice did a pretty good job pushing Vujicic outside of the paint for the game I mean Vujicic had a very good game uh, today you know uh, for the magic but Daniel Tice defending and getting Valanchunas outside of that paint is going to be very important in this Grizzlies game so I really like that and then we can all enjoy the great and the wonderful Brandon Clark and see why Danny Ainge should have drafted him instead of Brandon Clark I mean uh, instead of Grant Williams Brandon Clark should have been drafted over Grant Williams okay so the Bucks games oh boy I, I I mean I could say everything that they need to do watch over Chris Middleton set up the wall against Giannis they move the ball well if they shoot the three well at home i mean good luck it's going to be super hard to beat them they've won six in a row they've won nine out of their last 10 drew holiday finally looks like himself finally feels like he's fitting in and then they just made a big deal to get pj tucker and i believe pj tucker is playing for the bucks today um i haven't checked those scores yet but or i don't even know if the game has started to be honest with you but the uh, I mean, P.J. Tucker's a really good defender, and you know he can hit a corner three every once in a while, and I'm sure he's going to make some big ones for the Milwaukee Bucks in the playoffs, but P.J. Tucker to the Milwaukee Bucks is a big deal because that kind of... Um, what's the best way I can say this? It kind of gives a little bit of rest for Giannis on the defensive end because P.J. Tucker can guard so many different positions because of his physicality and how well he actually does play defense. So those Bucks games, again... How you played today against the Orlando Magic, and I understand it's the Orlando Magic and they're not the greatest team in the world, but if you move the ball and you care about playing defense, you can beat the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, am I saying you're going to beat them both times? No, just try and split. This is a great time to you know, say, hey, we've won four out of our last five. We beat the Magic, we beat the Grizzlies, we lost to the Bucks, we beat the Bucks, and we beat the Oklahoma City Thunder, and now we're going to be home for seven straight games. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I need. That's what I want. (sighs) Anyways, the day after the Milwaukee Bucks game is the NBA trade deadline. And what do I want them to do? I'll be honest. Nothing. Like, I'm being serious. Like, what is the point? I mean, the bench does need improvement. I think we can all do that. So maybe a smaller move. Okay, fine. But I don't think Danny is going to do anything that's life-changing because he knows that this team, like Jared said earlier, it might be a um, transition year. So there's no need to go all out when you're still going to have to try and beat the Milwaukee Bucks or the Miami Heat or the Philadelphia 76ers. And, oh, yeah, what about the Brooklyn Nets who have been playing lights out and Kevin Durant isn't even playing for them right now? So that's all going to be very, very interesting stuff for sure. so. We'll see if Danny Ainge makes a move and if that new player does play on Friday night at the Bradley Center against the Bucks at 7.30. And then the final game of the week uh, against the Oklahoma City Thunder, they're 5-5 five and five in the last 10 games. You know, Shea Gildress, Alexander, a.k.a. SGA, is an unbelievable talent. Dort has improved a lot this year. Uh, he's from Arizona State. I think this is his second or third year, but he's improved a lot. They have Al Horford. They have George Hill. They have a new coach. They have a lot of young players that can play. And this is going to be one of you know I, I feel like it's going to be kind of like the kings game like they have a couple guys that can go off and can annoy and disrupt what or disrupt what the celtics are doing so this that that Thunder game is a winnable game, and they better win that better win that game because I know they've played a lot of close games lately against the Oklahoma City Thunder, but that is a game that the Celtics have to win if they really care about the rest of the season because at this point, you're just fighting for the four seed. I think the the Bucks are five games up. You're like eight and a half games out of first place between the 76ers and the Nets. Try and get fourth place, beat the fifth seed, and then hopefully you know you play the 76ers of the Nets and you give them a good series in the second round cuz that's all that it is at this point. So oh my god, I completely forgot we got to do stud and dud of the week, but because we're in Las Vegas and we're already throwing a little twist into the mix, let's throw another twist into the mix. Hit the music. And now it is time for your Celtics dud. No! And dud. No! And another dud. And unfortunately, another dud oh, And, well, Another dud oh, Of the week Okay, episode 117 of the Banner Banter Podcast Dud, dud, dud 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 you name it it wasn't a great week for the Boston Celtics yes I understand they looked very good today against the Atlanta Magic but dud goes to Brad Stevens maybe some of his rotations weren't that great maybe some of his offensive sets weren't that great he's not firing up the players enough you can name everything under the sun so he definitely deserves some of the blame this week the players not playing hard at times not really caring at some point you gotta you know even if you don't like the coach you still gotta play for yourself And the players didn't do that in any way, shape, or form, so that was disappointing in them. The other dud is the way the roster is built. Danny Ainge did not put the best roster together for Jalen and Jason to trust their teammates, and that's been very disappointing. So the dud and the dud and the dud this week, Brad Stevens, the players, and the GM, Danny Ainge. I finally admitted it's everyone's problem, just not, you know, one problem so that's it that's going to be it for episode 117 of the banner banter podcast thanks so much for dealing with me while i'm out in las vegas in a microphone that's i usually don't use with no headphones and a program i have no idea how how i'm going to edit this or fix this or any of it etc etc but again thanks so much for listening i really appreciate it we'll talk soon Go to manscaped.com, use the discount code, find your balls for 20% 20 off and free shipping. So we'll talk soon. Toodles and noodles, X's and O's.
1: Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.